What's up, everyone? This is the one and only Nick Andre. And look, if you're a fan of everything that I do, whether it's writing, podcasting, or anything basketball content related, make sure to subscribe to my playback room. I will be live every Friday live streaming an NBA game. So I will be talking everything about the game itself alongside various topics revolving around basketball. So make sure to tune in, man. Make sure to subscribe. I will leave the link in the description. And let's get into the episode. Another edition of For the Love of the Game. This is your one and only Nick Andre. I appreciate you guys for listening in. Got a very special guest with me. He's been on here before. Uh, we previewed the Knicks before the season began. And since then, you know, a lot has went down, more so in the past few days, man. I got my guy Omar, one of the best writers I know, man. How are you doing, man? Happy to have you back on. Uh, thanks, Nick, man. Always love to join you here on this pod. So, you know, uh, you, you hit me up to talk about the trade, and I, I was I was ready to go. So uh, happy to be back, and you know, let's uh, we could ju- jump right in. Right now, you were you were definitely one of the guys that I had to get on <laughs> to discuss this trade because the NBA world has been in a frenzy since everything went down. For those mm-hmm. who don't know, and for those who've been living under a rock, a big trade went down this past Saturday involving New York Knicks and the Toronto Raptors. Um, the Knicks sent R.J. Barrett. And, and Emmanuel quickly to New York in a package that got OG Ananobi, Malachi Flynn, and Precious Achua. So my first question to you is, where were you when this trade went down? And what was your first initial reaction? So, you know, I'm over here on the West Coast, Nick. So it was, it was still in the morning uh, when when, it, when the, the Shams tweet kind of came out. Right. And I was actually working on an article, man. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, and then I had my phone next to me and it, was, it popped up. And I was just like, I was like, OG Ananobi. You know, and uh, because the Knicks have been in the OG talks and rumors oh, for wow. a couple years now, really ever since it became clear he wasn't going to stay in Toronto long term. And uh, I've been kind of on the fence about acquiring him, to be honest, because, you know, get, you got the injury stuff there. And I know he had said that the reason he didn't want to stay in Toronto is because it's becoming Scotty Barnes's team. He, he really wanted a chance to kind of be the guy or at least the second guy. Right. And in New York, you're not going to be the first or second guy because you got Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle. Exactly. And and so when I saw that, I was like, well, that's kind of strange. And then I was like, all right, well, what's the package? And then I see it's both quickly at RJ in addition to a Detroit second round pick, which might as well be a late first round pick because they're most definitely going to have the worst record in the league uh, this year. So, and then I was like, okay. And then you get, Malachi Flynn, you get Precious Achua in there as well. And um, my immediate thought was, this is a move that the Knicks front office is sending a message that our guys moving forward for the next few years are going to be Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. And we are going to surround them with guys that fit their style. And what did they feel that they were lacking with RJ? you know, maybe a little bit more size on the wing, obviously more consistent defensively and more consistent shooting as well. Even the most hardcore RJ fan, hardcore RJ supporter, I, I know a couple of them, would tell you that the shooting was at best inconsistent, right? Yeah. And he would have, like, he had stretches where he would miss like 30 in a row, you know, over multiple games. And 
But then they have stretches. He'll go six for seven from three in the in the game, right? So you get OG because of his percentages from the corner. The Knicks love to shoot in the corner. You get Precious Achua, which is not a small thing because the Knicks have been struggling with big man depth ever since Mitchell Robinson went. Yeah, down. it's been it's gonna be a long. How many how many more weeks does he have? Like another four weeks or so, or maybe a little bit longer. Well, he's done for the year now. Oh, he's done for the year. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't. I know. I know. Initially, it was like eight to ten weeks. Yeah, yeah. Then they bumped yeah. it up. He's done for the year, right? That's yeah. why they brought in Taj Gibson. You know, that's, that's why they you know they kind of reintegrated Jericho Sims, who was also injured now. And, you know, they put a lot more on Isaiah Hartenstein uh, as a center. So they the Knicks want to play defense. We know that. OG Ananobi is an all-defensive player. So right. the fit makes a ton of sense. Where a lot of people are kind of iffy is that, man, you would you weren't going to include quickly and RJ and talks for Donovan Mitchell, but you are throwing both in uh, in talks for, um, for OG Ananobi. So, but my overall takeaway was, okay, they're saying this is our team. We are building this identity on defense and tough buckets that Julius and Jalen give you. And, you know, that was my takeaway. And I think they, this summer they realized they weren't going to be able to pay quickly what he wanted or give him the role that he wanted for that money. And I think they kind of, they were over the RJ experience, right? Like, it's year five, you know, and uh, a lot of people will always say, well, he's still developing, still young, still young. By year five, you are what you are, right? And um, it seems like they have made the determination that he is a good, not great player, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, nothing wrong with averaging 18 and five in the NBA. You know, you can make a lot of money doing that, you know? So um, so I think that was kind of what they decided. They think that this move gets them closer to the next level. And obviously their next level is either getting to a Eastern Conference final or getting to the finals, right? You know, they got past the first round last year and they want to take the next step. You know, they've been, you know, hungry for this for God knows how many years now, Nick. I mean, you know, it's it's been, uh, you know, 20 plus years since they've been to a final. You know, it's it's been a long time. You know, it's obviously been over 50 years since they've won a championship. So, you know, the fan base wants a title and, you know, they're under the pressure to deliver it. And I think this move is a step in that direction. I, I definitely agreed. I, th- I definitely thought that it was time to make some changes, and you know they definitely did that. But let's let's dive into RJ for a second because yeah. we, you touched on him for a second, and sure. you know obviously coming out of Duke, he was a lottery mm-hmm. pick, third pick in the draft, same draft, same draft class as Zion Williamson, same draft class as John Moran. So he's mm-hmm. up there and was projected to be one of the best players to come out of that draft class. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I'll say is that I don't believe RJ Barrett is a bad player, but when you talk about like the overview of his career so far. He's never been able to blossom to that all-star caliber player. You know, he's had his right. shiny moments, but we haven't been able We, I feel like we've only seen it in, like, small samples. It's like, you know, he's had moments where he's blossomed. Then he has moments right. where he struggles. You know, I think he shot 42% throughout his uh, Knicks career. So touch on what your thoughts were as far as RJ being a Nick and, you know, how can you possibly see him getting better, possibly going back to or going to Toronto where he's from Canada? Mm-hmm. First, before I, because I'm probably going to sound a little critical of RJ in a, in a couple minutes here, but but let me get it out of the way. The Knicks revival doesn't happen without RJ Barrett. Him and Julius Randle come in in 2019. They have that rough year with Fisdale. That next year, he was a big part of them oh, taking yeah. the next step, getting back to the playoffs, right? So I have nothing but respect for him for doing that. Always been a professional, always talked to the media, which is not something you can say about Julius. And 
he he's always been a professional. He's been media trained since he was twelve because his dad used to play pro ball. Okay, so that's out of the way. At the end of the day, RJ was brought in to be the guy, the face of your franchise, the savior, quote unquote. You're a top three pick. That's what you expect, right? He was a number one high school player when he went to Duke. Obviously, the whole Zion phenomenon came out, and then he kind of, and Ja obviously had a great tournament run with Murray State. And you end up having him slide at your number three. Side note, that draft is really weird. If you, like, look back at some of the players, you know, like uh, Jared Culver was in that draft. You yeah. know, uh, <laughs> Kobe White, who's finally starting to make some noise out in Chicago, was in that draft, you know. Cam Reddish, obviously, I believe, as well. Cam Reddish was in that draft. You know, so you have – and obviously Zion and Ja have had their fair share of issues for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of a weird draft, right? You had Darius Garland in that draft. He's probably one That's of the true, top yeah. two players in the draft. If you really, if you did a redraft today, he probably goes top three, right? You know, so, but anyway, so he comes in and everybody says, oh, this guy has the ability, the potential to be the next James Harden. Like that was what people were saying. That was his draft comp. And the Knicks ended up putting him at, at the three instead of his natural two guard position. So you could kind of argue that's asset mismanagement, Right. Um, and they tried to turn him into a two-way wing because, as we know, in today's NBA, you have to have a two-way wing, right? I don't care who, what team you are, your, your ceiling is limited if you don't got a guy who could go and do that both ways, and preferably you want that guy to be your number one player. So he was kind of in a square peg, round hole situation from the beginning, but he did make strides. The shooting did, did have its moments. The defense got better, so on and so forth. Uh, and but I just think ultimately they looked at it as we if we're go, like they played the Timberwolves in OG Ananobi's first game the other day. Can we put him on Anthony Edwards and hope that he could keep him under 25? Right, that's kind of what you want from that position. Right. Ultimately, RJ, you couldn't rely on him to do that every single night in, night out. Exactly. Um, so him going to Toronto, I think, is probably the best for him. He goes back home, he's from there, obviously, which is always. A double-edged sword, but the Raptors fans are always going to love him because he plays for Team Canada, right? Right. And he's one of their, even with all the great Canadian talent that's come, he's still one of the focal points of that national team. Uh, He goes in, and they already have immediately put him at the two because you have Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. No way you're putting him at the three with those two guys there, right? So, So I think he has an opportunity to kind of revitalize his career. I think he can, He still has the potential to make one all-star game when it's all said and done, maybe if you know, the, the cards all align and he has a great year. Uh, but ultimately, I think RJ's destiny now is a good NBA player, but not a great NBA player. And again, like we said at the top, that's okay, right? You know, it's all right to be that, you know? And, you know, I, I look for him to be a guy who, who flirts around 20 points a game for the rest of his prime, you know, probably eventually as he probably hits around 30 years old, just kind of, uh, gets traded to a contender as a role player and is a like a Contavious Caldwell Pope was for Denver and uh, and be that kind of player, you know, and um, we'll see what happens. I obviously I wish him the best. And, you know, with Nick fans, we have a little saying, you know, once a Nick, always a Nick. So, you know, Nick fans are going to follow his career. They're going to see how he does in Toronto. And, um, you know, I think he has a, a good career ahead of him. I just don't think it's a superstar career. I definitely agree with that. But uh, let me ask you this, because, mm-hmm. you know, Knicks fans, everybody in Knicks, bro, you know, there's always been this love-hate relationship with uh, mm-hmm. head coach Tom Thibodeau. Right. Um, would you would you be one to say that he can be like, – that he can have a little bit to blame because, um, like, just basically not utilizing RJ to his full potential in a way? 
I think you can make that argument more so with quickly than okay. you can with RJ, which we'll get to quickly in a second, I'm, I'm sure. But yeah. um, I think, yeah, I mean, Thibodeau's rigid. You know, the, we, we know that. You know, anybody who's been watching him since the Chicago days knows he's a pretty rigid coach. He's gotten a little bit better in recent years, but ultimately he still he wants to play a certain way. You know, he wants to run through his main guys and he wants to have a rim protecting center and he wants to have solid wing defense. You know, I think he wanted, he really wanted to turn RJ into Lou all day. And it really wasn't, uh, see that, yeah. yeah, it really wasn't working out, you know? And, um, so you, could you blame Thibodeau? Sure. I'm sure a lot of Knicks fans will, uh, but ultimately, you know, the roster construction didn't help. They hadn't really brought in a solid uh, uh, three to play alongside him. So he was kind of forced to play that position. So, you know, it, it became, um, I think a lot of parts are involved. I think Thibodeau has a little bit of blame because of his lack of, um, uh, his short leash he had with RJ. A lot of times RJ wouldn't even play in the fourth. I think this year he was like seventh on the team in, in fourth quarter minutes, you know, so yeah, and, you know, that's a guy that's supposed to be your number three guy, right? You know, what yeah. other team is doing that, right? Like the Lakers, you know, not to compare RJ to Austin Reeves, they're two very different players, but no, the Lakers have Austin Reeves out there in the fourth quarter, you know, and you know, you, you want your third best player, presumably, uh, on the floor. On the third. Floor, yeah. it, it just wasn't happening, which leads me to believe that Thibodeau and maybe the Knicks thought that quickly was their third best player, not RJ. No, that's a fact. Um, like I said, I'm I'm still a fan of RJ. Um, I know that early in his career, it hasn't panned out the way that many people mm-hmm. uh, many people uh, projected it to. But I do love this opportunity for him, especially going back to a team that I believe is you know heading into rebuild mode in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, we mentioned that he's from Canada, so you know maybe maybe you could say that the bright lights of New York maybe wasn't meant for him. Maybe he needs to go back, you know, to a place like Toronto, like I said, where he's mm-hmm. from. You know, it's kind of a small market, so. Maybe that'll be beneficial for him, you know, moving forward. But now let's. Can you dive really in. think about it, Nick? They're probably going to trade Siakam before the deadline, you know, because it's a similar situation so. to Ananobi. And I think they're really locked in on. We like quickly, maybe as a guard of the future. We like RJ alongside him in the backcourt, and we love Scotty Barnes, right? So this is Scotty Barnes's team. So I wonder if you build around those three guys and see what you got, you know, and. Um, uh, they have a, a choice to make on quickly this offseason. He's going to be a restricted free agent, but I feel like they could probably see that that's their next core because Toronto isn't really in the business of tanking. That's not what they do. You know, they've is- always just tried to retool. You know, even when the DeRozan Lowry era was yeah. over, they just kind of rebooted it right away yeah, with uh, Fred Van Lead and Siakam and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, so, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, another guy that I mentioned was a part of that trade was Emmanuel Quickly. Hmm. Let me just say this, you know, as a fan, I'm not a, I'm not a Knicks fan, but one thing I'll say was that I, I really hated that he had to be a part of this trade because IQ plays such a huge role for this team. He was a six man of the year candidate last year. A lot of people believe they should have won it. Um, even this year, average 13 a game, three assists, shot 42% from the floor. So talk about how much, how much the Knicks fans will miss his impact. And do you believe that a guy like Malachi, uh, a guy like Malachi Flynn can, fill the shoes of what IQ brought off the bench? Uh, first of all, Malachi Flynn cannot fill in IQ shoes. Let me just put that out there. The Knicks need to acquire a guard off the bench who can do that. Um, then this is the biggest hole of the trade, replacing IQ. You could argue that Ananobi is a one-for-one replacement of RJ. Malachi Flynn is not a one-for-one replacement for Emmanuel. So quickly 
is one of my favorite uh, Knicks while, when he was on the team. You wa- if you watch every Knicks game like I do, it's hard not to just fall in love with this guy and the way he plays. Just he, he like plays with joy. He hits shots, big shots, and you know makes the most of his minutes every confidence. night. Yeah, yeah. He's got the swagger. He's got the he, he's the type of guy that like thrived on the MSG stage, right? And you love guys like that. But the issue is, is like the minutes, right? And I think this is where asset mismanagement happened with the Knicks. So in the 2020 draft, they end up grabbing Obi Toppin and they grab Emmanuel quickly later in the first round. And Toppin, obviously, you know, like uh, we talked about this during the preview, he he obviously got trade trade Indiana because Julius had a renaissance, and you know he you were no longer going to need him for the salary he would have commanded on his extension. I he never really had a chance to be that starting point guard for this team because you bring him in and then you have Alfred Payton right away, mm-hmm. and then. When Peyton leaves, you end up having like Kemba Walker bringing in, bring him in. Derrick Rose is in there. You start playing point guard through Alec Burks, you know. And for whatever reason, I don't know what it is, the Thibodeau just didn't trust him and to be the starting point guard, even though he did well in starting duty when he did start about I think it was like twenty plus games last year. Whether it was Grimes or Brunson being missing time or RJ missing time. He would start and he would average 20 points, five assists a game uh, when when given minutes. And he was up for free agency for an extension this um, this past summer. And they couldn't come up, come to a deal because they, like I said earlier, have determined Jalen Brunson is the point guard for the foreseeable future. You know, Brunson's still in his, in his late 20s. He's probably going to be at the helm for the next four or five years, you would imagine, unless there's some I big agree. trade down the road. And, you know, IP wants his chance to show that he could be the guy in the league. So they never gave him the opportunity. They never, even if you had said, oh, hey, I want RJ to be a three, and they never even gave him the opportunity to play off ball with Brunson. They always prioritized Adante DiVincenzo, a Quentin Grimes, uh, Evan Fournier briefly, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a couple years ago. And he never got that opportunity, which to me is the mismanagement of the asset, which to me is the real travesty of his time in New York is what it could have been. So now he goes to Toronto, and he's given the keys. He started his first game right away, and Dennis Schroeder is now on the bench. And I think that we're going to find out that this guy has the goods. Um, we're going to look back at that Kentucky backcourt of that year with him and Tyrese Maxey yeah. and just think, wow, well, what did they have there, right? You know, and obviously that was a COVID year, so there was no tournament, you know? So, um, but, so we we couldn't see if they could have made a run for the national championship, but um, I think he, he has what you want in today's NBA. He's developed, even though he's a shorter guard, he's like six, two, he still has really good length and defends aggressively. The passing has gotten better. The shooting's always been there. He's gotten a lot more precise with his floaters and he's a lot what you want in a uh, a modern guard. I mean, you could see shades offensively of the way Trey Young plays, right? You know, you know that floater game inside, mm-hmm. you know, decent layup package, long range threes with decent accuracy. And Trey Young's all star in this league now. So I'm not saying I accuse Trey Young, but I think he can be more than a serviceable starter. I think this this is a guy who can make an all star team. And I'm higher on him than I am on RJ. And um, I think the Knicks ultimately decided. We're rolling with Brunson, and they, I feel, do try to do good by their assets, 
right? When they decide to get rid of them or move on from them, they try to set them up in positions to succeed and, and to be in a good place. When they trade Obi Toppin, they ship him to Indiana, lower key market, opportunity to start. They get rid of RJ, they send him home. Get rid of quickly, they send him to a place where he can uh, thrive as a lead guard, right? And I think that's a, a good a testament to the Leon Rose regime. They've done tried to do right by players that they've gotten rid of or traded or or moved on from, whatever the case may be. And um, you know, I think uh, I think a lot. Of, it's going to be fun watching his development. He's still young. Uh, I think he's going to get extended. I would assume Toronto would try to keep him after this year, uh, depending unless some team just gives him a crazy offer. I low-key kind of wanted to see him in San Antonio. I feel like him and uh, Wembenyama would have been uh, just that fun been nice. with Vassell as well. I think that would have been a, just an interesting yeah. young core. More than Johnson, a lot of those young guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think that – because I, I really feel like San Antonio is is doing a disservice to Victor by not having a real point guard outside of Trey Jones off the bench uh, facilitate him the ball. But that's a, a topic for another day. But I, I think – I'm high on quickly, man. I think he can be – more than just a solid role player in this league. I think he can he could do some great things because again, everything that you want in a modern point guard, he does. Decent defense, makes shots, you know, gives you that intensity. And you know, a lot of people pigeonhole him as a, you know, fire start off the bench, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, right? And then he he's he's pushed back on that. He's like, no, I could do more than that. And when he started, he's shown that. And I think he'll show more of that uh, as the year goes on in Toronto. Yeah. I'm so glad you touched on that because I don't know if he's ever been vocal about his role, but you can tell like, he always wanted something. It frustrates him. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. He, like, he's had comments. Exactly. Okay, he's a pro. He's a pro. He's not going to throw the team under the bus, right? But, exactly. But you can tell. <laughs> you, know, right. you can hear it. You read between the lines a little bit, right? Right. And that's the thing, too, because you like, you know, you see, like, with so much confidence that he plays with, with you know, mm-hmm. so much swagger, you know, for people who have been watching him for a long time, you know, we saw this even with Kentucky, you know, when it was, you know, you touched on that year with him and Tyrese Maxey. So, you know, to see him even the year before they got Brunson, you know, we saw him being able to shine at a, at a at an elite level. So do you think that this is the perfect opportunity for him in Toronto to become a full-time starter? Because I think that I think Toronto's been trying to find that that starting point guard, like that full-time starting point guard since they lost Kyle Lowry. Oh, 100%. Yeah, and I, I don't think Dennis Schroeder's really going to challenge him for that starting role, you know, outside of injury. And uh, I think it's a great, great opportunity. Toronto is a team. They don't have championship aspirations right now. They're trying to kind of refortify their base. And, you know, I think that he's going to have a great opportunity to show what he has. And even if he, if Toronto isn't super sold on him, he has an opportunity to audition for other teams as well. Because, again, exactly. he's going to be a restricted free agent in, in this offseason. So uh, I would I would look for him to get a, a bunch of minutes. His first game he had about, I think, 29, 30 minutes. But – you imagine they're kind of just still getting him into the flow. I would expect to right. see him get 35 minutes a night through the rest of the year uh, while he's in Toronto. I'm trying to think of another team that could be in use of IQ as a starting point guard right now. Like, I'm trying to think of another team that's like in need, like in dire need of a point guard. It's weird. Like, none of them really come to mind. I mean, I know we touched on San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't say the Clippers. No, they got Russ out there and they got Harden. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I might have to think about it a little bit more, but you know, I mean, it's like you say, you know, even if even if this situation isn't long term for for him, you know, if he just continues to play at a high level, you know, there could be some teams that are interested that could be watching him, you know, and could possibly could possibly bring him on in the future. Um, what were your thoughts on OG's first game with the Knicks against Minnesota on Monday? 
Okay, so I wasn't sure what to expect, right? Because the guy hadn't practiced with the team. You know, he just got there, and right. he's right there immediately in the starting lineup. And this guy, like, you know, you read scouting reports. Of people. I, I don't watch a lot of Raptors basketball, you know, with league pass. I think we've had this discussion. It's like it's so hard to do. There's so many games, right? Exactly. You know, how, do you, you, how do you pick and choose? And the way I usually watch league passes, I pick a 7 o'clock game. And then I start flipping whichever game is close. Mm -hmm. I start switching to the close games or seem, something that seems interesting. So you don't end up seeing a lot, a ton of Raptors. But I knew he would, he had this defensive reputation. Everybody's like, oh, he's so long, he could guard one through five. And I was like, okay. You know, so we play Minnesota, you know, and I'm like, well, that's, there's a test, right? There's one of the best teams in the league this year. Right. And this guy was, you know, putting defensive work to both Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. And – that to me just speaks to the versatility. And I'm just like, oh, Thibodeau's gonna love this guy. Right? Because he's Defense. gonna give him this matchup for defensive matchup versatility that he probably has dreams about, you know? And I I'm looking at and then he hit a couple corner threes. I'm like, okay, so the shot's good, the form looks nice. He has good vertical leap uh when he catches a lot of his passes, which was a big knock on RJ, you know, not having enough verticality to finish at the rim sometimes, right? And I was like, okay, so immediately you've improved their corner three shooting at that spot. You've improved your on-ball defense at that spot. And potentially you've improved some uh, motion around at that spot as well. I did notice the movement that he had, without really fully knowing the offense, was really good. So, Because I, I kind of made a point to kind of watch him on multiple possessions. Uh, and I'm optimistic, man. It, he, it looks like right now, because after they made that deal, they also extended Miles McBride to a, a little three-year deal. And so yeah, I'm looking right. at up and yeah, up and down the lineup. I was like, okay, Miles McBride has a reputation of just like a dog on defense. Josh Hart has a reputation for being an intense defender. Obviously, OG has that reputation. Quentin Grimes has a reputation for being a decent defender as well. And I'm just like, okay, so they're really just doubling down on this. We're going to win with defense and hope the offense makes sense at the other end. And you still need a creator off the bench, that IQ role. And I think that's the big gap because when Brunson and Randall are off the court, uh, then you, you don't have that person. You know, RJ was that person before where he would get in with the second unit and, you know, you kind of become point RJ and be facilitating and doing all this right. stuff. So you need somebody there. McBride isn't going to give you that. But it feels like they're really doubling down on this defensive identity. And I think OG is – a hand and glove fit because that was my real takeaway of this game. It's like, oh, this is exactly what they wanted. And I think the reason they made this trade, Nick, is because when Mitchell Robinson went down, a lot of flaws in their defensive scheme became exposed. Yeah, people don't give enough give him enough credit for how I can, much. I can honestly vouch for that. Uh, I can honestly vouch for that Indiana game that they played. Um, I think Saturday night it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a bad showing defensively. I was. Uh, yeah, it wasn't great, right? And. Yeah. You need, and as much as I love Isaiah Hartenstein, defensively, he doesn't have the gravity and the fear that Mitch imposes on opposing offenses. Yeah. It's kind of like what, like Clint Compella has a little bit of that, right? You know, when, when he's kind of roaming the lane, teams kind of think twice because of the shot blocking ability. And that was a situation with Mitch. And I think they's like, oh, like, okay, we really need to fortify this defense because they're giving up 130, 140 points a game in, in that uh, Indiana game. And I think they're like, we got to make some sort of improvement. So they, you know, got on the phone with Toronto and uh, made the deal. 
I was surprised that they even made the deal because they got that ongoing lawsuit with uh, with the Raptors that's going on, you know. And, Ooh, that's a good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like so all of, and then like you know the Knicks didn't really don't really like working with Masai Ujiri because he fleeced them on the Bargnani trade years ago, and yeah. you know, and and it's just kind of like oh, I I just think ultimately Toronto pulled the trigger because they wanted players, not picks, and the Knicks gave them players. Like OKC okay, so could have given ten picks. And they probably still would prefer players because they want to. They don't want to tank. That's the thing. And I think they're afraid to lose him for nothing, like they lost Van Vliet. And ultimately, you know, they pulled the trigger and said, you know, it's a little weird to do a deal with the Knicks, all the circumstances, but let's go ahead and do it. I'll, I'll say this, you know, as far as back to OG, I, I went back and I watched the game today, this morning, and. I'm going to say, man, I mean, I think his time in New York is going to be really, really good. I mean, if this is how he's looking in, on game one, where, he, like you say, you know, he hasn't had any practice time. He just flew in, and now you're asking him to be a part of that starting lineup. And I think the one thing that stood out to me was his movement without the ball. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, there was many times where, whether it's DiVincenzo that will penetrate or Jalen Brunson that will penetrate, and then here comes OG coming from the weak side. You dump the pass to him, and then he gets a dunk, he gets a layup or he could spot up in the corner and knock down three-point shots. So, you know, I mean, definitely defensively, you know, I think he definitely adds to the perimeter defense. But if he's playing his role offensively and just, you know, being able to move well without the ball, anticipating the pass and knock down shots, that's going to be well for him. But let me ask you this, though. Like, do you believe that – do you believe that New York necessarily needs, like, another primary shot creator playing next to both Brunson and Julius Randle, like a more consistent shot creator playing next to those two guys? Um, in the starting lineup, no. Uh, I, I don't think they probably need that immediately, but they do need one off the bench, you know, and, you know, a, a lot of names have been thrown out for that. Um, Jordan Clarkson in Utah has been thrown out for that. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon in Portland, he's kind of just wasting away on a, a young tanking team there. But I think you want a guy like that to be able to handle those bench minutes when, you know, Julius and Jalen are resting or they have off night. I mean, the other night uh, against uh, Minnesota, you had Jalen had a bad game. Like he was like five for twenty or something like that from the field. And you know, luckily, Julius had a monster fourth quarter, um, yeah. so you were able to kind of pull that out. Which, so as a Julius Randall fan, I always love seeing when he shows up in Minnesota because everybody's always talking about trading him for Cat. And so there was a sequence where Julius made a big bucket. Following play down the down the court, Cat uh, was matched up on Brunson and couldn't take advantage. We bricked a, a midi, and then Julius came back and scored again. And I was like, oh, okay, you know that's that brought me joy because you know everybody's always saying, oh, we gotta get rid of Julius for Cat, and um, I'm not I'm not a big Cat fan personally, but um, but yeah, so you're relying on those two guys a lot, and you need somebody to fill in the quickly role, which was being able to give you a solid 15 and get buckets when needed. And Clarkson fills that role nicely. Brogdon fills that role as well. Uh, and I think they'll be active in the trade market uh, trying to make that. I definitely agree. Um, so a few more questions before we get out of here. Mm -hmm. So Precious Achua, mm -hmm. kind of like a kind of like a lost part of this trade. Like, what do you think that he brings to the team? I know you touched on him like a little bit earlier. What do you think he brings to the uh, team? From a depth perspective, it was huge, right? Because – they don't have a backup power forward, you know, like, you know, they were relying on Josh Hart being their backup power forward. And, 
which is a big leap uh, when you consider Josh Hart played shooting guard in college. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so you get a little bit of size with Precious. He's still, you know, he's a frustrating player, right? You know, any, you talk to any Raptors fan and they'll tell you he's one of the most inconsistent low basketball IQ guys they've ever seen. So, which is not a ringing endorsement, but you hope that in Thibodeau's system, he figures some things out. Didn't get a bunch of time uh, the other night, but I think he'll be, uh, if you, you really just want him there for, you know, 10, 12 minutes backing up Julius Randle. And if he could give you decent plus minutes there, then you're happy with what you get out of him. Uh, I think it's a good part of the trade. I think it's why they did it, uh, to be honest. Um, yes, of course, they get OG, but, you know, they get the added benefit of getting uh, some big depth uh, on the bench there as well. And I think that's huge for them as they start thinking about, you know, making a run in the postseason. Right. So one last question before we get out of here, because I think this is something that a lot of people want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously this trade went down. Do you do you think that the Knicks are done? Like, can they possibly possibly make something happen before the trade line or like around the trade line? Like, do you think that this is going to be the only trade that they make this season? Or do you think that they could uh, bounce back and make something else happen? So my logical side of my brain thinks that they're going to make another move, whether it's in trades or buyouts after the deadline for that backup guard that we kind of been alluding to that can have a little bit of shot creation. Um, the far outreaching part of my mind thinks, is this all a ploy to try and get Donovan Mitchell? Um, because it's there's been a lot of noise about him being unhappy in Cleveland and not wanting to stay there long term. And we know he wants to be a Nick. It's the worst kept secret in in NBA circles, everybody knows he wants to be in New York, whether it's with the Knicks or with the Nets. Um, the Nets probably have more ammo to make a deal, in fairness, so that might happen. But I think the Knicks are kind of looking at it as like, hey, if we could somehow maneuver and get this guy in here alongside Brunson and we keep Ananobi um, as, like, the defensive guy, uh, I think they, they would be very enticed by that. The Knicks have made it clear. They are star hunting. They want a, a superstar in here. Yeah. And when it became apparent that R.J. Barrett wasn't going to grow into a superstar, they got rid of him, right? And I think that the three guys that they've really targeted the most are Joel Embiid, Giannis, and uh, Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, you have two MVP candidates and then Donovan Mitchell, so there's a little bit of a drop-off right. there. But I think that you know they see the way Philly's playing with Maxi. Embiid seems happy again. He's probably off the market. And then Giannis just got Dame and extended. So now he's off the market. So what you have left is Donovan Mitchell. And it feels a little bit like when, um, you know, when, when LeBron and Wade formed in Miami. And then they're like, well, I guess we could get, get Carmelo Anthony, right? You know? Right. And, uh, yeah. and that kind of became the thing, right? And uh, so, like, I guess that's what we'll settle for. Um, so I, I would look at that as maybe the long-term idea. Because if you look around the league and other superstars, I don't see Luca becoming available anytime soon. Uh, Anthony Edwards is another young guy. Minnesota's going to keep him as much as they possibly can, so he's going to be there for another five years plus. Yeah. You know, and you obviously Jokic is going nowhere. You know, and it's when if you start looking at the really high level top flight guys, you know, it, it kind of begins and ends with Mitchell, right? And would I think that he would? The Nick fans would love to have the Mitchell first of all because Nick fans love guys who get buckets. You know, that's just. That's just the thing, right? You know, that's why they love Jalen Brunson because he just he just gets gets buckets down the floor all the time. So, I think that might be the play. Um, I, so, no, I don't think they're done at all. The Knicks are really never done. I mean, you know, that's kind of the funny thing about them. 
because there's so much pressure, right? In the in the in the New York market, it's like when are you going to compete for a title? And like this, a friend of mine who's really against this trade, he um, he's like, oh well, this rebuild was for nothing. You know, we get rid of Ob, RJ, and quickly, and all we got left is Quentin Grimes and Mitchell Robinson. And ultimately, my thought on that is, if you're a fan of the Knicks, you got to expect these pieces to move. You yeah. know, you you got to understand that you're not Oklahoma City, you're not Orlando, right? You're not going to build through the draft and keep those guys for 10 years. That's just not how New York has ever worked. Even in Brooklyn with the Nets, it doesn't work that way either. You know, like they have these nice little pieces that they got from these superstar trades. I guarantee you if the Nets had the opportunity to, to cash in Finney Smith and Dinwiddie and Claxton and all these guys for Donovan Mitchell, they do it without thinking twice. You know, as much as they want to say like, oh, look at our depth, you know, and because this is a superstar league and you got to win with superstars, right? You know, shout out to the 79 Sonics and 04 Pistons is the only exception to that rule. But, you know, and, you know, so it's just kind of like that's what you're expecting of them. And as far as the big fish, I I think Mitchell's really the only one in the pond, so to speak, right? And I think they're going to try and maneuver to bring him here one way or another. Right. And back to the Donovan Mitchell thing, and mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm against it. Now, if this was back summer 2022, when all the rumors came about before he mm-hmm. had ended up getting traded, ended up getting traded to Cleveland. I was like, yeah, go ahead. Like if the Knicks can go get Donovan Mitchell, like that's that's the, that's their guy. Like they need to go get yeah. him. But I think now, like I said, I'm not necessarily against it, but like would it really elevate their like championship hopes just because i mean donovan mitchell has had his moments but i feel like more so recently he's been like really inconsistent in the playoffs you know especially last year when they when cleveland played new york in the first round and i just hope that i just hope that he doesn't run into the same problems with uh, jalen brunson that he's had recently with Darius garland so that like those are just my concerns i'm not against donovan mitchell i'm a fan of him but i don't know if i'm as high as I'm, i don't know if i'm as high on making that move as i was maybe like a year or two ago yeah, you gotta look at it too here. Maybe, maybe this they kind of wait till the summer to see how the rest of this year shakes out. Like, you know, you never know. A lot of people like nationally like the Knicks a lot, you know, and because of Brunson and because of like the regular season impact of Randall and a bunch of these different guys, and you know, most people like Ananobi. So if you end up in the similar situations you were last year, which is catch a team in the second round that you feel is beatable. Um, then with the, these three guys, then maybe they just decide to say, well, let's hold off and not really have to go in on Mitchell. But if it's out in the first round, out in the second round again, then they look at it it's like, okay, cool. So we got rid of quickly in RJ. So their money is off the books. You know, if you were going to pay quickly uh, close to 30, you had RJ around that same number, you know, close to 30, that frees up a bunch of money for you to resign Ananobi but you still kept all of your draft assets if you want to go all in on a Mitchell trade. It really depends on what Cleveland would want. Um, That's true. It, if they have a sense that he's going to leave anyway, well, maybe we kind of get whatever draft picks we can get type of deal. And I think the reason the Knicks didn't do the deal in the first place with Utah was because Ainge just, just, yeah, they, he wanted like five picks and he wanted like two or three players, right? And I think that that was kind of a little bit of Gobert-itis, you know, where after the Gobert trade, everybody thought that that was the cost of a of a max player. And, uh, you know, that's proven to be uh, an anomaly. You know, obviously Gobert's playing well this year, so right. yeah, Minnesota feels okay about it. But ultimately, you know, I think that 
Cleveland's going to have to make a decision here. And I think they like Garland. They like Mobley. They like Allen. They like these guys they have. And uh, if Mitchell really doesn't want to be there, maybe they pull the, the trigger. Um, I, and the fact that they lost to the Knicks last year <laughs> isn't doing acquiring Mitchell as an idea any favors, right? right? And so I'm kind of with you. I was kind of against the Mitchell trade to begin with uh, when it happened. But I also know that if you're the Knicks, you want to trade for a superstar and you want somebody to be on the marquee and you want to have – it's the same reason they traded for Carmelo Anthony all those years ago. And they want to have a name in bright lights to show on the, uh, at MSG. And Donovan Mitchell right. is a name in bright lights. I love Jalen Brunson. I love Julius Randle. They're just not those household names, right? And um, – you wonder how it would fit, you know, especially in the backcourt with Brunson. But uh, you do wonder, you know, if that's going to be the thinking long term because I just don't see another high-level wing player. Like they were talking about Paul George for a minute. You know, I, I, he's kind of, you know, I think they gotta on the – Yeah, like, know, I, you, think, you, I think they got to go younger when it comes – I mean, not, I mean, obviously Paul George is still playing at a high level, but he's he's right. he's getting up there as far as in, in his career. I think you got to go exactly. – with somebody at least like I don't know, like 25, 31, 32 range, maybe something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. Not- yeah, I agree with you. And uh, it's it should be interesting just to see how they go about it. But just looking at the landscape now, it just feels like maybe Carl Anthony Towns is that guy. You know that we mentioned him earlier. Uh, but I feel like right now they they want a, a top ten potential player in the league, and they feel Mitchell is that. And uh, I think that's the way they'll end up going. Uh, but I would imagine that probably doesn't happen until after the season's over. Now, I know I know that we touched on Anthony Edwards a little bit. And, you know, especially mm-hmm. with how well Minnesota has been playing, you know, I mean, this is clear that, you know, he's probably not going anywhere anytime soon. But, hey, things can change, especially within like a two or three year window. Mm-hmm. Could you possibly see that happen where the Knicks might make a push to try to get a guy like him? Because he's only about 22, 23 years old. So he's still, he's still mm-hmm. very, very young. I'm two years running now. I've been driving the Anthony Edwards to New York agenda. So that is a player who I would target immediately. That's the player you dump all the assets for, right? You back up the bridge. And he just has it, you know, like the superstar gene, the Jordan LeBron Kobe shit that you see just killer mentality. He has, right? Which is why I think they need to get rid of Towns because he doesn't have it. You know, so so that's his team immediately, which is crazy because Towns is the max player and and all, and he's been around longer and all that. He's still in his prime, and but you know Anthony Edwards is the Timberwolves, and if he somehow, some way became unhappy, unsatisfied, whatever, and he was there for the taking, that's a guy. However many picks they want, you make that happen. I Any agree. players they want, you make that happen, because guys like him. They come around once about a decade, you know, and yeah. So I, I think if there's any any world where he becomes available, you 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 pick up the phone, you call Minnesota and say, hey, what do you want, you know? And like Shea's another guy like that, you know, high level budding mm, superstar, like you know. So you know, those are guys that they are going to want to target. It's just a matter of them becoming available. I agree, man. The revival of like having a superstar in New York. Like with Ant Man being there, that would be just amazing, man. But like I said, you know, I mean, I know that Minnesota's playing well right now, and mm-hmm. I know that you know. I mean, yeah, shout out to them, man. That's uh, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. their best season no. since uh, 04, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah they went to Western Conference Final. Yeah, since yeah. since KG was on the team, which is yeah. 20 years ago now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, Long so time. I mean, it's, it's really dope, man. But 
Omar, I appreciate you, man, for coming on, breaking down this trade with me, man. You know, I, I knew I had to find a Knicks guy to get on, and <laughs> who else to get no like, and who else to get none, none other, none other than you, man. So definitely let the people know where to find you, man, and you know, and what you got coming. Yeah, for sure, man. You could uh, find me on X at Omar Z H R N. You could find me on Medium. Uh, is where I write most of my stuff. Uh, Medium.com/slash at Omar Zaran. Uh, you also subscribe to my Patreon, uh, patreon.com/slash Deep Cover Sports. Uh, so if you don't want to pay $5 a month for Medium, you could get it for free on Patreon. Um, so right now, uh, I just published a piece about Indiana basketball culture, which uh, I was really proud of. Uh, interviewed a couple really of Really good fans. piece, by the way. I appreciate that, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, right now, I'm uh, working on some NFL stuff. And, uh, you know, with the playoffs coming there in that sport. But uh, obviously, going to get full, fully into some more NBA stuff here as the trade deadline gets a little closer. Yes, sir. Make sure to be in tune for all that. Appreciate everybody for listening. Follow the page on X. I love the TGB ball. Follow myself and Nick Andre ATR. And make sure to subscribe anywhere you listen. As far as podcasts on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, you name it. Appreciate you guys for listening in. And until next time, you guys, deuces.